amen to that. You can be seated. I, isn't that just such part of our complex human condition that we have this self-understanding that's just broken and small and pond scummy, or we are these incredibly valued people who are seen and known and loved by God. And so much of our time in worship, so much of why we gather is to remind ourselves of the truth of that. And we're going to do that again this morning as, as we come to God's word. And uh, what I think is so fascinating about, again, about the human condition is that we, like, when you ever look at a, a picture of earth from outer space, like, we realize we are so tiny. We are so small. We are so insignificant. Thank you so much. We are these tiny little less than ants roaming around on earth for a split second in all of eternity. And yet at the same time, deep in our guts, we know that we have dignity and we know we have destiny and we know that we're made for something great. And we just live in this tension. And, uh, and human societies from all, since the beginning of time, all over the world have wrestled with this, this narrative, which is, hey, plucking people out of obscurity, giving them this incredible call and letting them become these incredible people. I mean, I remember back in high school uh, reading the Gilead. Let's be honest, I didn't read the Gilead, but I read cliff notes around the Gilead. Um, that happened again, like you think of like Star Wars and Luke Skywalker or Harry Potter, right? There's, there's, our culture is full. Every culture throughout the world is full of these stories of these insignificant, small, basically children and teenagers who receive this call. And because they receive this call, they go on this journey to figure out who they really are, embrace this call, and end up changing the world forever. Well, of all the stories, of all the movies, of all the books, the, the one that resonates closest to me, the one that I just feel like this is the ultimate in Christian cinema, is The Princess Diaries. Am I right? Have you seen that movie? Yeah. Mia Thermopolis is my doppelganger. Like, when I think of my life and my call, I go, Mia Thermopolis, she is it. And uh, I love, if you haven't seen this movie, it, you should watch as part of your devotional life in, in your morning. She is, um, you know, she's this awkward teenager. She hasn't learned about plucking her eyebrows yet. She has this frizzy hair. And you know, and she's every teenager story. I was like, she's just awkward. She doesn't fit in. She doesn't fit in with her skin. She has a weird friend. And yet she's at a private school and she's wrestling with who she is, right? And every young woman, every young man, right, is wrestling with that. But what I love about this movie is she's not just an awkward teenager, she comes to find out that she is actually the princess of Genovia. This awkward teenager is not just an awkward teenager. She's on her way to become the princess, the future ruler of Genovia. Oh, and the whole movie is just an incredible, godly tale of this woman coming to terms with what that means. And if you're a teenager and you find out you're going to be the princess of Genovia, you're first thinking, this is going to be great. I get a hairstylist. I get a clothing stylist. I get every kind of food. I get horses. Like, I get a big room. Like, like all the rights, all the special things of being a princess of Genovia. Like, this is going to be great. But the challenge is actually not taking advantage of all the rights, it's actually wrestling with all the responsibilities, wrestling with the weight of what it's like to be a future leader of a country and to care for people and to have to mature and be selfless and be mature and maturing to grow so that all those rights, all those special privileges, all that great clothing is actually in line to be used to serve her people. And really that story is our story. Because in our guts, we are all these awkward teenagers 
And it's funny, even as a middle-aged man, there's still part of me that is this awkward teenager trying to figure out who I am, who we are, what has God called us to be? Who has he called us to be? And what are we supposed to do in the kingdom of God? And yet in our awkwardness, God, through the Holy Spirit, calls us and invites us and says, no, no, you are not an awkward teenager. You are not a frizzy-haired, bushy-eyebrow, weird person. You actually are my precious daughter. You're my precious son. And I long for you to be my partner and co-laborer in the ministry of the kingdom of establishing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Like it's this noble thing. Like it's this epic movie and we are all invited into it. And so this right now, we're in the middle of this sermon series called The Big Rocks. And these are the big things. These are the big things that we're saying as a church, we're gonna run after. Now our church is big and broad and complex and there's lots of little things that we're gonna do as a church, but there's these big things that we're gonna say, these are the, we're gonna make sure these happen. And so far we've talked about, we wanna be affectionate in our heart towards worship. We wanna make sure that we're people who love and serve the world around us. And then this morning, we're going to talk about how our identity is rooted in Christ. If we're going to truly be all that God longs for us to be, we can't just know good theology in our head. We can't just do a couple tokeny things, but we actually need to be people in the very guts of our being, know who we are, and then to live out our true identity. And so you think of the overarching framing uh, paradigm is this passage in John, right in the beginning. And John says this, he says, but to all who believe, this is talking, talking about Jesus, to all who believe Jesus, to anyone who puts their trust into him, right, they received, and sorry, all who believe in him and accepted him, he has given the right to become children of God. That's an incredible thing. But I think most of us think, yeah, we get to be children of God. We get to be children. God loves the little children, all the children of the world, all the ants on this giant earth. Yeah, we're, we're, we're children. But no, that's not what he's talking about. You have been given the right to be a child of God, to be a daughter of God, to be a son of God. Even Ray Lennonberg in his old age to embrace you, not all of you, you, Ray, right, are a son of God. That is the call. That is the call. That is what is so incredible about the Christian journey. That is the invitation. Oh, if we could just get that, so great. But getting from there all the way to now being these mature, godly women and men who are co-laborers for the kingdom of God, that is the process. That is the journey. That's spiritual formation. That is the hard stuff. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. How do we get from the call that God has put in our life to the completion and living out who he's who he's made us to be. Now, there's two parts of this. One is a, a developmental part of our journey, um, which we all have gone through and are going through, and one is a spiritual part, and they actually mirror each other a little bit. So the first is the developmental stage. You see, all kids, they grow up in our families, and as they become teenagers, kind of the 14 to 24 group, that 10 years, these kids who grew up in families, right, are trying to figure out who they are. They know who their parents are, but now they need to figure out who they are. And they go through this process called individuation, who they're going to be as individuals, not as the kids in this family, but who they're going to be in the big bad world. And they have to answer, who are they? What do they believe? Who are their people going to be? What are they going to be about? And they spend their teenage years, hopefully away from us in college, to work all that stuff out, <laughs> right? But at the end, they're going to they're answer those questions, and they're going to be some version of an adult, different from you. They're going to be individuated, right? You did that when you were a teenager. Your kids are going to do that. We are all in the process of individuation. Now, what I love is the, the Amish actually embraced this process. They invented this thing called Rumspringa, and this is every teenager's dream. 
Because you see, to be born in the Amish community, you gotta admit, that's a tough call. No TikTok, <laughs> no even electricity, right? You are born in this really weird grouping of people who have separated themselves from culture and society. And so for their whole life, from birth to 16, they live in this culture, they live in this church, they embrace all the rules and the rights that go along with it, but they know that there's part of this process of individuation that has to happen. And so they develop this thing called Rumspringa, which is, hey, you get to leave. 16, 17, you get a year and a half to just take off. You can live at our house, you don't have to live in our house, but you get to go to New York City and you get to try on some things. And it's gnarly, right? I mean, you can go online and you hear crazy stories. Like, and the parents, like, they, like, they're, letting, they're letting their kids, it's like my kid's dream to live under our house and yet to just go have at it every weekend in New York City, right? But they knew their life was such a high calling that you don't just sort of choose it. You have to choose it, choose it. And so for the Amish, they said, hey, you get a year and a half to kind of work this thing out. And at the end of it, you could then choose to be part of the church in this community or you choose to go and be wild and free however you want. It's, a, it's crazy and brutal, but yet I think, gosh, we need that. It happens anyway. And I think as Christians, we, we kind of look the other way, but we don't do a great job helping our kids navigate this natural developmental process of individuation, of giving them freedom to figure out who they're gonna be. They all are gonna do it. We still need to do it, but that's part of this process. Ultimately, you become an adult. You answer the question, who am I? Who are my people? What am I going to be about? Well, even in adulthood, we are still in the process of figuring out our identity in Christ. Even in adulthood, we are actually on this journey to wrestle with those questions, to wrestle with our core brokenness. And even though those are the big questions, there's this shadow side, there's these, this, this fleshly part of us that's the shadow side of those questions, which we end up you know, wrestling with our ambition or we're wrestling with the approval of others or our fleshly appetites, and those things and giving ourselves those things actually short-circuit the developmental process for us to be all that God longs for us to be. Now, one of my favorite stories in all the scripture is found in Luke chapter 15. It's the story of the prodigal son. It's a super famous story. Most people when they're new to faith, they love it because this is the basic gist, right? God has, I mean, the father has these two sons. The youngest son says to his dad, dad, drop dead. I want my inheritance now. And, uh, and imagine like he, the father doesn't just have a savings account. He has to sell half of his land. He gives it to the son and the son goes, peace out. Like even in the very beginning, Jesus knew about Rumspringa. Jesus knew that this younger son needed to go out and figure it out and just goes and humiliates his father, spends all the money, goes crazy, goes wild. And, uh, and basically, right, he wants to figure out who is he? What are his ambitions? Who are his people? What are his appetites? And he goes crazy, right? He says, no, dad, you're not in charge. I'm in charge. What? This, this household of ours, that, these aren't our people. The people in the distant land, these people I love parting with, they're my people. Oh, and what do I want to do with my life? I want to live it in wild living. Yes. So he answered all those questions. But whenever we give our life over to sin in our flesh, unfortunately, ultimately, it just leads to death and destruction. And the younger son got to the end of his rope, got to the end of it and realizes his death and destruction. He comes to his senses. He re-answers the question. And he says, listen, in my ambition, you are my dad. And my people, all my people took off. But you know what? This family, these are my people. And of all this flesh, you know, it turned out living and wild living and ultimately eating pods fit for pigs. Nope. I'm going to give up those fleshly desires and live under the rules of this house. He comes to his senses. 
And if you're new to the Christian faith, you're like, yes, that was my story, awesome. But if you've been a part of the church for even two months, that's no longer your story. Good job, you made it back. Our story is actually the story of the older brother. The older brother has a really unique journey because he looks like he did the journey well. He looked like he understands his call and he's done what he's supposed to do. But the truth is he never did the work in his heart to answer the questions, to do the challenge, to really embrace the hero's journey, to be the man that God longed for him to be. And that's what we're going to look at really quickly. We need to understand that we are on this hero's journey. Now, if you go online and if you're a literature person, it's a super complex 14-point spiral, and it's really incredible. My brain's not that smart, so I found a three-point version because I'm like, I can get my head around that. But this three-point version is what's in every one of those movies. It's what Mia Thermopolis did. It's what you and I are invited to do, which is that you start with this call, right? You're this punk teenager with bushy eyebrows and frizzy hair, and you're unsure of yourself and your life and your body, and someone says, you are seen. God goes, you are my person. And if you you know, if you give your heart to me, you get to be received in my family as a daughter and son, and your call is that. And we think we just immediately step over to completion and go, ah, and now I'm going to live as that person. But the reality is, in the hero's journey, there's this challenge, there's this pit. And in that pit, um, for us as Christians who are part of spiritual formation, there is this fleshly part, there's a sin nature that we just have to wrestle to the ground. We have to come to terms with our ambition, Who is going to be the ruler of my life? And outward, we can pretend all day long, but in our very guts, we have to wrestle that to the ground. We have to remember, who are we trying to seek approval from? There's so many things that are are shiny objects that are trying to gather us and cause us to, to win our approval. We have to wrestle that to the ground. And we have this fleshly part of us that we just are hedonistic, right? We just want to satisfy our flesh with food and technology and distraction and whatever And at some point, we have to wrestle those things to the ground. What's interesting is this is the exact journey that Jesus went on. Jesus, when he was baptized, right? The Holy Spirit comes upon him and you hear, this is my son. Right? He's the call. This is my son who I am well pleased. And where does he go right afterwards? He goes into the desert for 40 days to fast. And then he's challenged and tempted to deal with his ambition and his um, approval and his appetites. And when you wrestle those things to the ground, and you're, really, and you're ready to go, okay, God, you are my God. Your people are the people who I want to live with. And your things are the things that I want to run after. When you've done that, then you are ready to be the mature daughter or son, the co-heir in Christ, the co-laborer with Christ so that you can be all that God has longed for you to be. I love the way this whole wraps up because I, I always miss it. Because I always go, the prodigal son is great. The older brother, you know, he's lame. And, so I, and I always skim that part because I want to get done with the chapter, right? But I've always missed this. But listen to how he wraps this up. This is the father saying this to the older son, which this is God saying this to you and to me. Oh, sorry. I just skipped over that whole verse. Sorry. But we're going to get to the very end. It says this, my son, you are always with me in everything I have is yours. The older son missed it. He was so busy complaining and being a crybaby and because he didn't get a goat to hang out with his friends. He didn't, he didn't, get, he didn't come to terms with, is he really going to submit himself to his dad? Is he really going to let his people be those people? He missed out that that whole property that the father was in charge of is actually his property. 
And the dad simply wants him to be the good steward of that someday. He didn't realize every goat was already his goat. He missed it. And I hope that we don't miss it this morning, that we would hear, my son, my daughter, and you are always with me. You are always with me. Every single thing that I have is yours. I think so many times we just, we just miss out on the Christian life because we think, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. And what a small, small understanding of the Christian life to realize, oh my goodness, everything that God has is yours. You are his daughter. You are his son. You are a co-laborer in Christ. That I love the father comes, he sits with his son. He says, you don't understand. This is it. Every goat is yours. Every goat's yours. Have at it. And I think God simply wants us to understand our true identity. And when we can finally get over our weird internal developmental adolescent chaos and own who um, our, own our ambition, own our approval, and own our appetites and surrender those to God. Gosh, when that happens, then we're ready to be his kids. And now we get to be God's precious daughters, precious sons with all the rights and with all the responsibilities. You see, a mature daughter, a mature son, Mia Thermopolis at the end owns that our lives are actually not for ourselves. All those fancy clothes, not for ourselves. All the goats, not for ourselves. We get all the rights Right? We get the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We get every spiritual blessing under heaven. We get identified with Christ. We get, a, um, we get an eternity with him. We, there's a home for us. We get spiritual gifts, spiritual blessings, spiritual power. We have purpose and value. All those are our rights. And we have some responsibilities. You see, we don't just get to look fancy, but actually all those fancy dresses that Mia Thermopolis wears is just part of the, the deal. So she gets to be the ruler. And now you and I are called with all the responsibilities, which means it's actually on us to be God's co-heirs, to be worker bees in the kingdom of God. But more than worker bees, it's the family business. It's like, you know, instead of like God and sons, God and daughters, like it's not just, we're not just like worker bees. It is our business to care about the world, to work towards justice, to love mercy and bring reconciliation. That is on us. Now, if I was God, I wouldn't trust it this way, but God did trust his work to you and to me. And if we as a church can own our developmental process, if we can own our maturing process, gosh, think of the impact that we would get to be in the world around us. To know that in every situation we find ourselves in, we are ambassadors for the good news and grace and mercy. We are the defender of the hopeless and poor and oppressed. That is our job. That is our calling. And we own that. Not because we have to, but because we embrace our true identity. So we get to be with all the rights and with all the responsibilities. And that really is it. That is the big rock. We talk every Sunday to remind ourselves of the truth that this is our identity. And you are loved dearly by God invited to be a daughter or son so that you can be his people in the world. But there's this middle part that we all have to do. And unfortunately, that's the work that we all have to do in private. That's the work that you do in your walk with God, with your dear friends. And that's the part that we have to wrestle with because if we don't do that part, then we miss out on it all. 
And so as I wrap things up, I just want to let, commit to you, there's things that we are going to do as a church and as church leaders that we're going to own, that this is our part. And I'm going to invite you to part, part of it that is also your part. And so this is our part. As a pastoral team, we are committed to walking with you to own your identity in Christ and discern your unique calling and contribution to the family business. We're committed to it. Like we love gathering and worship. We love being together. We love having food. We love doing all those things. But at the end of the day, we are committed to walk with you. Not just to run programs, but to walk with you. In fact, our entire pastoral team is readjusting their calendars next year. And 40% of all of our time is going to be devoted to walking with you, to caring for our church, to discipling our church, to developing your gifts and your calling. So we are tuning our life and our calendars because we are committed to this process of not just talking about the good news, but to be people who will bring the good news. And so I know when you see us, you're always like, oh, you're always so busy. Truthfully, we just look that way so we can justify our jobs and you feel like, oh, look, they're doing a good job. (laughs) But we're not that busy. Like on a Sunday morning, we're busy, but we're not that busy. And some of us, our calendars are kind of full, so you got to give us a week or there or so. But our life is tuned to walk with you. And so just because we're busy on a Sunday morning, we're not busy. And you can even say, hey, Danny, Ben told me you have 40% of your time. Let's do this thing. Okay, that's our part. Here's your part. Would you consider actually putting in some time and energy to embrace your rights and to leverage your responsibilities for the kingdom of God? We're going to make all the space and time. We're going to set the table. But at the end of the day, if I'm honest, it requires for you to put in some time and energy, to put in some reflection, to battle your demons, to wrestle down your flesh, to do the reflection and work. What's so great about the Christian story and the Christian message is all those things that you have to wrestle down that are ugly and awful, those don't disqualify you. In fact, you wrestling down the ugliness means you're in the inner sanctum because you're forgiven in Christ, right? Like you are already God's person. You are already forgiven. God just wants you to mature. And so as you wrestle those things down, God's so proud of you because you are maturing. We, as the people of God in our church, we love when you're wrestling down that stuff. So you don't have to be afraid or ashamed. Like, man, wrestle that stuff down. That's how you know you're in, because you're wrestling this stuff down to its guts so that you then can be all that God longs for you to be. So our part, man, we're going to make all the time in the world. Your part, would you just consider putting some time and energy and effort in, and let's partner together to be the mature women and men that God has called us to be. Think how incredibly blessed Marin will be if we can do that. All right, well, as I end here, let me pray for us. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to make a little space for us to be quiet, do some business with God, and then we'll wrap up our morning by worshiping together. So let's pray. Heavenly Father and our gracious God, what an incredible gift that that Heavenly Father is not just a title, but it's a posture that you invited us, this ragtag group of people, these awkward adolescents in our guts. And you see us. You see the unique and incredible and gifted and beautiful people that you longed for us to be since the creation of the world. And yet now we are here in this time and in this place 
And so much of you must be so excited for us to finally embrace our identity, to quit being punk kids, but to wrestle down our flesh and to take our seat as co-laborers with you, as ambassadors of reconciliation. All the joy you must feel when your punk kids come home and are ready to serve alongside you. I pray that we wouldn't forget that this process of wrestling down our flesh is not something we just do once and we're done, but it is a daily thing. You say that we would pick up our cross every day. And so just because today is not Sunday, but it is just a day, we want to wrestle down our flesh. So forgive me, forgive us for wanting to be the rulers of our own life, letting our own ambition take the place of you being the ruler of the, our life. I pray you forgive me and you forgive us for longing for the affection and approval of other people long before I want your approval or your affection. God, I just pray that you would forgive me for just my fleshly desires, for how much I just love comfort, whether it's sleep or technology or food or even exercise, all the weird things that I do, that we do to cope and feel better about ourselves. We wanna die to those because we want our longings to be met by you. We wanna be healed by you so that we can be the wholehearted people that you long for us to be. So let's just spend a minute in silent prayer and silent confession, do whatever sort of business we need to do with God. that you have, God, when your people turn to you, whether we're the wild, rebellious, prodigal son who finally comes home and you embrace and love and throw a party for, whether the older brother and we're just a little pissy in our own walk with God right now, and yet you come and leave the party and sit down next to us, put your arm around us and remind us you are always with us and everything that you have is already ours. I'm so thankful for your generosity and for your forgiveness and for your grace. And I pray that for all of us, that we would be people that would do the work so we would take on your mantle as precious daughters, as precious sons, wholeheartedly embracing all the rights and all the responsibilities so that this broken world may come and experience your grace in your mercy. And may all honor and glory be to your son, Jesus, both now and forevermore. Amen and amen.